All right, Brain. You don't like me, and I don't like you. But let's just do this, and I can get back to killing you with beer. You are now tuned into the Better Fantasy Bureau podcast. podcast. This place is an unhappy resource. With your host, Flex and Bliss. You must think I'm pretty stupid. I'm dangerous. I'm very, very dangerous. And Charlie Chase. You're very good, you. You're goddamn right he is. For the everyday fantasy sports player. You just blew my mind. Now, I am going to teach some kids a lesson. They're a bunch of f***ing amateurs. And now, on with the show, Party People. People. Good morning, party people. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Let's go with Tuesday morning, party people. The last week of November. I am your man, 50 Grand Flex Hitless, with yet another show with just me by myself today. Uh, unfortunately, Charlie Chase could not make it today. And uh, you got another full episode of the Better Fantasy Bureau podcast with just Flex Hitlist. And as I say every single time when I do one of these shows by myself, uh, you either hate it, you love it, you don't care about it. You're probably like, oh man, I got to hear this guy talk more and more. And then you're probably like, and I got to, well, you know what? Let me point out all his mistakes and everything wrong that he does. Um, you guys know I'm not that smart. You know, a lot of people always tell me every time. Well, I mean, I guess a lot, but the good majority of people they always tell me whenever I say that they like they like stop right away. Like if I'm somebody new or somebody that doesn't know me, and you know they say something to me and I make a mistake or like something's a little off, like oh, you know I'm not that smart. And then he goes, no, 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 don't say that. Don't say that about yourself. Because they don't know me, and I, you know, I don't know them. Uh, like my supervisor, at my job said the other day. You know, I made a joke, and then uh, there was something with the the order I was filling out, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm not that smart." And she goes, "Like, no, 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 don't say that. Don't, don't ever, don't ever say that about yourself. Not in a mean way, but I guess because people don't realize, you know, I, I, I just say it because I just like to make fun of myself. I like to joke about myself. If I can't joke about myself and I can't make fun of myself, how can I make fun of other people? You know, sense of humor is a really, really big thing to me. And, um, you know, you guys already know here on the show how I am with Charlie. You know, I bust his chops a lot and enough. And it's just, it's just you know, he takes a joke really well. But it's all because that's just how I am. If I'm going to bust your chops, I can bust my chops as well. And what's funny, enough for nothing, if you bust your chops enough sometimes, you take away that power from other people. Sometimes. Sometimes. But, yeah, you know, so what I'm going to keep saying all the time, you guys know I'm not that smart, because I just like to make fun of myself. I like to make jokes about myself, and some people take it the wrong way. They think it's, like, a depressing thing to say about yourself or, no, 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 believe in yourself, be positive. Well, well I, I believe in myself enough that I can make fun of myself, and I'll be okay. We're going on, party people. As we know, uh, like I said, this is a show, Just Me, today, as we do here every Tuesday, uh, because the most important thing, of course, about these Tuesday shows, and the main reason that we do these Tuesday shows is because of the waiver wires. It's the only day in fantasy football where you have somebody to get for your waiver wires, and it's important to, you know, build your team out, especially right now when we're getting to the playoffs. It, for the most part, for most leagues, this is the last week. This is it. This is the last week for you to go and get you. This could be like a must-win game. Like, I have some must-win games this week, in two leagues in particular, where I have some must-win must win games is against my friend Kento. I have to beat Kento in both of them. I talk about Kento enough on the show, and everybody else in Woodside that's listening to the show knows Kento. So I have to defeat Kento in the BFB League, who I believe whoever wins that match is going to take the last spot in the playoff seat. And in the Sunday Funday League, 
Now, in that one, um, he's out of it. He's got he's out of that one. He can't make it in that one. But if I win, I'm in. And 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 it's it's just uh, it's just frustrating when you're in those must win situations. Like, and, and so much things could happen. Um, especially even like last week, certain players you need to lose that they don't, and it puts you in out these must win situations. Speaking about that, and it's funny. So I want to mention it here. I was leaving uh, my practice yesterday that I that I coach for my for my kids at Saint Sebastian School in Woodside Queens, and then my friend Mudu. Who I mentioned a bunch of times on the show, uh, you know my friend Mudu, Chris. You know he works he he works over there at, at, at the gym, and then he asked me what I thought about this, and I want to mention on the show now. Usually, because if you knew Mudu and you knew how he is, you know he says he's I guess some 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 things just to like strike a nerve, you know whatever, or or, or some kind of crazy things sometimes. Or he has some crazy beliefs or whatever the case may be, and I don't really talk about it too much. Just like I said, when he drafted three QBs in the draft that we had this year, and two of them were purposely just to block me. They were back-to-back QB picks just to block me from getting one. I didn't talk about it on the show for a while because I didn't want to give him that power, like that entitlement to know that I made him a thing, that I made him like, you know, like a point to make. But a point I did want to make here with him is that he brought up this, this situation, and it brings back, I guess, to another episode I did, which is talking about the unwritten rules of fantasy football and what is fair and what is foul. And this is something that he wants to do. Week 13, last week of the regular season of fantasy football, so depressing to say, that I find and I believe that is very foul. And if you want to let me know, you could always, you could always tell me about it. Remember, my Instagram is at Flex Hitlist, F-L-X Hitlist. I spell Flex, F-L-X. You could always hit up Charlie for whatever, you know, for whatever else you need, at uh, Charlie B-N-Y. Uh, remember, always on our, our Instagram at BFB Podcast and our Twitter at Podcast BFB. So now this is what he wants to do. Mudo says in his league, he's in first place. Now, once again, this is also something that he says he's not going to do, but he's thought about it at least. So a good thing he's not going to do it. And he thinks it's fair. So he's in first place. And there's a team that has been rising up that has gone in this last-minute push, this last-minute run, and could get the last spot in the playoffs if, um, you know, certain things happen. And then Mudu's going to be in first place, and then he would have to face Mudu in the first round of the playoffs. Six teams make the playoffs, so he would, you know, he would get the sixth seed, and he would have to place Mudu in the first seed. Mudu not necessarily wants to bench all his players, but he wants to put it in a terrible lineup. His bad players... Like, you know, a Jordy Nelson or even an Alfred Morris if it's still on his his team to purposely lose the match because if his opponent wins, then his opponent will take the sixth spot. And the other guy who's been on the rise won't. Who, I'll shout him out. Shout out to Zamps. That now he says it's fine because it's a strategy. Now that's how he's looking at it. He's looking at it that he wants to avoid a match because it's not in his favor to play this guy's team and he doesn't want to play his team. So to keep him out the playoffs to secure himself a win, he feels like, oh no, I'm I'm purposely losing so I could win in the playoffs because that's when it really matters. 
So I'm giving myself a playoff strategy. That's how he's looking about it. But what I say is totally foul, completely foul, is because of the fact that it's collusion. You're colluding against the team to to stop them from 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 winning. It's collusion. Like you you you're purposely not setting in your best line. I mean, you you play fantasy football. You're making a dedication to put a lineup every week, and not even just put a lineup any week every week. Put in the best possible lineup you believe. And he knows a lineup that he would put in would not be the best possible lineup that he thinks is going to be the best possible lineup. That is your duty. That is your honor. That is, you know, you're going by the honor system. You're going by a thing of respect, the code. Like I said, unwritten rules. And that is just foul. That's just foul if he does that. 100% is foul, I believe. If you believe otherwise or if you've done that, please let us know. Like I said, hit us up. Hit us up with a direct message. You know, uh, you know, at, at BFB Podcast on Instagram or tweet us at Podcast BFB. I think that's 100% foul. Now, I let him know. It's, and, and <laughs> so I called him. I was walking away with, 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 with my other coach, John Riley, my partner in, um, in the basketball game. Does that sound right? Yeah, whatever. It sounds right. So anyways, so I, um, I'm walking away. And then I told him, I said, you know what? This is probably the same situation I have with Kento. As I mentioned, that Kento's out of it in the league that him and I run. So he's out of it, and he said, and he even told me, because, you know, it's for me to make the playoffs because he would want me to make the playoffs because I have to beat Kento to make the playoffs, he says, I wish I could bench my players. I wish I could bench my players or make it in a sense, put you know, put in other players so that you could have this win and you could make the playoffs, but that would be wrong of me to do. I can't do that because it would just be collusion. And that's what exactly 100% it would be. It would be collusion. He can't do that. Kento has to put in his best lineup to go against me, and if I lose, I lose, and I'm out of the playoffs, then so be it. But when I asked Mudu about that, oh, no, but that's different. I don't understand how that's different. Now, he thinks it's only different, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll be interested in it, only because we're co-commissioners. We run the league together. So it's like, uh, oh, commissioners, you have an attachment, and yet he has no attachment to exams because Mudu's the commissioner himself. At the end of the day, it's still collusion. It doesn't matter about your connection with that person. So you're telling me, Mudu, that if – it was, you know, the other way around. So let's say Zamps was your co-commissioner. If he was your co-commissioner, you would still put in the best lineup to make sure to beat the guy so he could get in? No. The thing is, at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 collusion. If Kento was the bench his players for me so I could win, so I could make the playoffs, that's collusion. If Mudu was the bench his players, his best players, by what I mean by that, so that this guy Zamps... Could not make the playoffs. That is collusion. I think that's wrong. That's just foul. That's just 100% foul. You know, um, I had a situation the other week where I needed this uh, Juan, actually, that was on our show a couple of weeks ago. Shout out to Juan. I needed him to lose, but he was going against a team that hasn't won a game all year. I'm not even going to say his name. He's a great guy at the end of the day. But he hasn't won a game all year, this guy. He just had a bad team. He had a string of injuries, and things just happened, whatever. It's just the way it works out, you know. You know, his second pick was Devontae Freeman, so you can know for all Devontae Freeman knows how much your team got hurt after that. I get it. So um, I needed Juan to lose, but you know what? At the end of the day, you know, the guy still put in his best lineup that he that he had. And of course Juan wins, and I and I couldn't have him to win because now it's like between me, him, Marchetti, uh, fighting for like that last spot or the last two spots. 
So you know, this is one of those situations. But this is now it's it's one thing that you know he he was fighting Juan, and then the guy that he was facing was an easy win. But at least the guy was fighting. Now Muda's not giving it a fighting chance if he does that. So I'm gonna I said I was gonna bring it to the show, not to the show. I said I was gonna take it to the Instagram. I was gonna put it out there for the people. And Muda doesn't know I'm bringing it to the show. But when he hears it, he'll know I'm bringing it to the show. And then let's be fair. He did say, "Listen, it's not even like I'm gonna do it." He said it after, but he said he just thought that it was fine. So let's be fair about that. He said he wasn't going to do it, but he thought it was fine. He thought it was okay to do it. And he asked me for my opinion on it. And I thought it was wrong. And he said it was okay for me to go to Instagram and to find out other people's opinions. So please let me know your opinions about that, as I think it's 100% wrong. What else is wrong, and it's something that I'm going to do here that I'm not too, like I guess, happy about or proud about to do, but I want to do because of the fact that I am a Giants fan. And one thing I do tell Charlie a lot is that, you know, we get it that I'm a Giants fan, he's the Cowboys fan, and it's a big, big rivalry in sports in general. Maybe not today and right now at this time since the NFC East is one of the worst divisions in football right now. And I tell him all the time, like, look, let's not talk too much about the Giants and the Cowboys all the time, whether it be on social media or on the show, because of the fact that I don't want people to be like, all right, Flex, we get it. You're a Giants fan. All right, Charlie, we get it. You're a Cowboys fan. You know, so, but what else is, we're talking about the things that are wrong. I had to talk about how I feel about the future for the Giants. How this is just, it's, it's, it's and you guys already know this, you're going to follow sports enough, and it is unacceptable unacceptable that a stud, a rookie sensation, taking the NFL by storm, shaking off every single defender that could come his way, doing the things he does, is like that is Saquon Barkley. Go for 120 yards in the first half, which I believe is 120 yards, but the point is, in two touchdowns in the first half, and get five touches in the second. Five. Five touches in the second. Five touches and only 11 yards in the second because of his five touches. Not rushes, touches. Four times he rushed the ball once he caught it. That's it. Now, the thing that I said was wrong is about Pat Shermer. I'm not saying they were all his calls or the offensive coordinator's calls, whatever it is. By the end of the day, Pat Shermer, you're the head coach. All right? You're the guy that's behind the wheel. Now, I'm not saying I'm done with Pat Shermer. I'm not here to say that. I'm not saying I'm done with him. Let's get rid of him. He's the biggest problem with the Giants. I'm not saying that. There's a lot of problems with the Giants. But we, especially when we were giving away guys like Eli Apple for whatever and snacks for nothing, if we became in this rebuild mode, which... I guess to an extent, I don't know about full rebuild. I don't know how you could be in full rebuild when you have arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And also, which seems to be not too far out of the conversation soon enough to be one of the best running backs in the NFL. Because Alvin Kamara had a great rookie season last year, and he's having a great season this year. So, you know, Saquon Barkley is going to be in that conversation for one of the best running backs in the NFL. There's no denying that. So I don't know how you could be in full rebuild. If you have those, you know, like that, those got that kind of arsenal in your weaponry. But if we're are rebuilding, if we're looking to get another quarterback and to build up a defense and or an off and an offensive line, which I think is the most important thing is the offensive line by far is the most important thing. 
how can you really build if you don't have that much of a strong foundation? That's what I'm concerned about. How much rebuilding are we really going to do? I mean, we're giving away guys. Like, we gave away snacks for, like, nothing. And I said this before on Instagram. I don't know how you're going to be rebuild. You're going to be in a rebuild when you're building a house of straws, not of bricks. I don't get it. But when you have the guy who has the plans of what to rebuild not doing well, well, I don't think the end construction game is going to be all that great. Because if you had this, if, if, there's already been a couple of questionable decisions. Now, the number one thing that pissed me off about that game against the Philadelphia Eagles, the first thing that pissed me off, and I couldn't see the game, I was at work. But I was getting the updates on my phone, and shout out to my boy Bill Ryan, who was also telling me some important parts of the game. I could not understand. You went for a two-point after attempt on your first touchdown? You scored your first touchdown of the game? And you went for a two-point after attempt? Does that make any sense to anybody? It's like I, I told Charlie. It's like it's like Pat Shermer saw the Carolina game two weeks ago where they went for a point after two-point attempt for a two-pointer uh, conversion, and then they didn't get it. It's like he saw them, and he goes, challenge accepted. I'll go for two points again when it's not necessary as well, but I'll get it. And he didn't. I don't understand that. I remember one point, Rojas kicked the field goal, and then we were tied up. Well, we should have had a lead at that point. Now I'm not saying that loss is the game. Because it didn't. The Giants lost the game. And one of the parts the Giants lost the game is that Saquon Barkley was carving up that already beat-up, injury-riddled defense. And then they didn't use him again in the second half. I remember in the I was listening on the radio on the ride home. And then they asked Pat Shermer about that, about, you know, and I don't know exactly what the words are. I don't remember exactly what they are, especially because I couldn't hear the reporter too much that I heard him in the distance asking about not letting Saquon get enough touches in the second half. And then Shermer was like, well, you know, Wayne Gallman ran the ball, you know, Gallman went the, ran the ball well. And we're going to spell him out a couple of times, Saquon Barkley, but, you know, Gallman ran, ran it well, and that's not the reason we lost the game. That very much well could have been the big reason why you lost the game. He is, right now, arguing between him and Odell, Saquon between him and Odell, they're the best players on your team. And he was slicing and dicing and cutting and juking and running and dashing and doing everything you could to get you two touchdowns. And just over 100 yards already in the first half. For all you know, he could have ran for another 100 in the second half. Had over 200 yards for the day. And listen, he gave me enough fancy points. I'm a Saquon Barkley owner. I got my 38 points out of him. I'm super happy. But the most important thing to me is the Giants could have got a win. So what I'm worried about and what I'm nervous about is the fact that if we're rebuilding how well can we rebuild if the guy leading this new team isn't that good? Because now I'm really starting to question Pat Shermer. I was happy we had him before, and especially with the league the way it is nowadays with the roughing the passer rules and all this other protection stuff. It's, you know, and we're looking to get a new quarterback next year. It's good to have these, you know, like to have a guy like Pat Shermer. Look what he did with Case Keenum. You know, it, I was happy about it before. But now I'm really starting to question it and everything else he does. I, I really am. I'm really nervous about it. One thing that's – so that was – I think that's wrong. That's what Moodoo did. I mean, was asking about, thinking about doing. I think it was wrong what the Giants did in their last game. I'm not going to talk about it again too much because, like I said, you know, we're not just a Giants football podcast. We are not. But we are a sports podcast in general. So what I think is good that somebody's doing, not for nothing, is the New York Knicks. And yes, I'm sorry. Well, you know, for anybody outside of New York that doesn't care too much about it, but 
Yo, the New York Knicks, listen. Anybody out there from New Orleans, we beat the Pelicans. Anybody from Memphis, we beat the Grizzlies. Anybody out there in Boston, we beat the Celtics. Three in a row. That's good for us. I mean, I'm, I'm a, it's good for our morale because, we, you know, you guys in Boston, you guys know that the Celtics are going to go far. The Pelicans, we know they're going to be a fighting competing team, competitive team. And the, the Memphis Grizzlies have always been a competitive team. But for the Knicks, we're not going to be that competitive for this whole year. We're not going to be that strong. We're not, I mean, we're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. I don't. If we are, we'd be surprised. If we did make the playoffs, I'd be surprised. But listen, after three wins against these three good teams, you got to think there's a smaller poss- you know, there's a small possibility of it. Or that small possibility that you thought about it has grown a bit because it's fun to watch. Now, for me, most importantly, what I like the Knicks are doing is that we're not rushing anything. All right, Jimmy Butler was available, and when they, we didn't rush to get him to come to our team because that's what we do. That's what we've done, and it hasn't worked. We have rushed to build up, you know, to give away future draft picks or prospects or, like, young players that, you know, could grow and develop. We rushed to give them all away, and it's amounted to nothing for us. Absolutely nothing. And we're not doing that right now. We didn't rush to get Jimmy Butler. We're, we, you know, we're not rushing to get anybody. We're, we're, we're fighting it out with the team we have now. We won these three games, which, like I said, we're not going to do that much, to, you know, in the for the rest of the year. To do this now, it's fun to have. It's fun to watch, and it's something to be excited for. It's something to feel good about. You know, it's good to get a win, especially against those three teams, three in a row, and that's good about them. So. We're watching them grow. We're watching New York Knicks grow and, be, and be, them being um, them rebuilding right now. Which, by the way, I really hope that Porzingis does not come back for the rest of the year. I hope he doesn't. Just let him rest for the rest of the year. Come back strong next year. Sign somebody else to a max contract. Build. Build with everybody you have around you right now. But Alan Hahn, I was listening to on the radio the other day, and he made a very, very, very interesting point that I wanted to bring up and I wanted to share. And like I said, unfortunately, uh, Charlie was not here today, and I wish I could discuss this with him. But I'm going to discuss this with you guys, and I would love to hear your feedback about it because it was a very, very, very interesting point that Alan Hahn did bring up. He said that it seems like today and age, the way we are in sports right now, is that people want it all or nothing. All or nothing. And he asked him, and he asked on the airwaves about what you would want from your sports team. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a bad team that will get you a championship once in a while? Once, like, you know, once every 10 years. Or would you rather have a team that's always good, that's always competitive, but that gives you no championships? So the way he discussed it was best was the 90s New York Knicks. They were in the playoffs every year. They made it to the finals twice. And they were always in the playoffs. They were always competitive. They were always right there. One time they were the eighth seed, and they beat out the first seed. And... They made it to the playoffs. They made it to the finals. They were Eastern Conference champions twice. They made it to the finals twice. They got an Eastern Conference championship, 
but they did not get an NBA championship. Or would you rather to be what is like, I guess, best way to say it, the New York Giants right now? We were bad last year, real bad. We're doing bad this year. But we won a championship in 2011. And then before that, in 2007. So it's been eight years since we won our first championship. Not our first, excuse me, our fourth championship. Last championship we had has been eight years. And it doesn't look like we're going to be good right away. I I think we'll be competitive, you know, depending what we do with the quarterback situation and depending what we do with the offensive line. I mean, maybe do we sign Joe Flacco next year and build on the offensive line in the draft and do trades and then build on defense in line and then sign Joe Flacco for a year or two and then get competitive like that. Maybe. But that's the point. Would you rather have a team that is good for you every year, that fights every year, that gets you into the playoffs every year, but doesn't do anything, doesn't go anywhere like the Memphis Grizzlies? Or would you rather just have a team that's bad for a couple of years but gets you one championship every 10 years? That you know, he, though, So let's say a team out of 10 years makes the playoffs every year, makes it to the finals, two or three times, but doesn't win a championship? Or would you have to have a team for 10 years, make the playoffs twice, win a championship once? What team would you rather have? I'm torn. It's real difficult for me to say, you know, and and he said that the way to doubt is, he thinks it's crazy that people just, you know, like, hey, listen, I would rather have a good team every year. But at the same time, I'm sure, like Charlie, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, they every year just bring them so far. And then it get nowhere. So I'm sure he's frustrated about that. You know, Stephen A. Smith made the joke, the Cowboys will never let you down. That they're always going to get to the playoffs and they're going to crumble. They'll never let you down. I guess I would have to pick that I would want, like, to have a championship, you know, once every 10 years, make the playoffs three times, I guess. But those years you do bad are tough. They're tough to get by. Especially after you win the chip, you get the taste of it. It's like a tease. And then you don't keep on, you know, fighting to get more. You know, like if you're not the Patriots or you're not the Golden State Warriors, it's tough. But then also, like, when you keep when you, when you keep getting so far, that's also a tease in itself, and that's tough. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't know which one I would want to have. Please let me know. I, w- I would love for you guys to let me know. I really would. You know, just hit us up once again on our Instagram at BFB Podcast, on our Twitter at Podcast BFB. Moving on now with the rest of the show. Um, players to talk about. That's, that's the main segment for today besides the wave wire is players to talk about for better or worse. These are the players that I want to talk about for better or for worse. So these means that now that the playoffs are coming up, I told you that these are guys that you're either nervous about or excited about. For the rest of the playoff season, guys that you think are going to keep helping you, or new new upcomers that you see are going to like, uh, you know, going to you know like hurt you or help you. Like for instance, like Aaron Jones, I'm excited to see that he's now giving you constantly double digit points, and he's rushing in for touchdowns, and he's taking over, and they unleashed him, and he's the clear number one in that backfield, and he's doing well with that job. He's doing well, just as we all expected him to do. Now the Packers aren't doing well, so maybe that part leaves you a little nervous. But he's doing really well with that job. 
Zion Jones is like that. But I'll tell you one guy that, and this is the main reason I wanted to bring in this conversation, to bring in this target. When I told Charlie, let's talk about, let's make this a segment, it's because of this guy, Jarvis Landry. I, I don't know what to do with the guy. I don't know. I don't know what to do with the guy anymore. Like, by name alone, you would believe that he could be a weekly plug and play, but he isn't. The Browns just won two games in a row. You would think that a name like Jarvis Landry would have been a factor in those games, but he wasn't. You would think that the number one overall pick with a good player like Jarvis Landry, you would give you would get a lot of points to a good player like Jarvis Landry, but he doesn't. And you think he would have killed in those last two games with these great matchups against the Falcons and the Bengals. You know what? Last three games, because the Chiefs he played against as well, they gave up a lot of points to wide receivers, and they're awful defenses. But he didn't. One thing that is consistent with Landry, though, with Landry's name, with I guess his brand that you expect from Landry, is that it's, it hasn't changed anything about his targets. All right. But for me, that's one of the biggest problems is the fact that he gets so much targets. Okay. It's like a gift and a curse. Like last week, including last week, Jarvis Landry for the whole year is averaging 10.5 targets per game. In fact, Landry is actually currently number seventh in the league for most targets for wide receivers, and he's actually on pace to have more targets than he did last year with the Dolphins. Now, I said at the beginning of the year, before the season started, that one of my biggest problems with Jarvis Landry is his targets, that he just can't keep up his target share. Of course, not with Josh Gordon on his team. That didn't last very long. So now the targets are coming to him in bunches, averaging 10.5 targets per game. Now, I know what you could say because you guys see his fantasy production is not that great, but you got to ask, is the rapport Baker Mayfield, though? Is that really the problem? That's what people are saying. He doesn't have that great of rapport with Baker Mayfield. But look at this numbers-wise. I broke it down. In the first two games with Tyrod Taylor, when it was just Tyrod Taylor, Landry caught 12 of his 22 passes thrown his way. Now, since week three, and I'm going to include week three with Baker Mayfield because he played most of that game where they got their first win against the New York Jets in Thursday Night Football. Since week three with Baker Mayfield, who's tried to find him. With Baker Mayfield, he's caught 48 of 88 passes. With with Tyrod Taylor, he's caught 12 of 22 passes. So with Tyrod Taylor, he caught 55.5% of Tyrod Taylor's passes. A little more than 55.5. That's not a lot. With Baker Mayfield, 545 so it's like marginal that difference of the other of the passes he's catching is so little that difference, and it, it just seems like you know even though he's, the thing is like Landry's getting his targets, Landry's getting his opportunities, and if and with all those targets that he's getting, with all those opportunities he's getting, you want a guy like that in your lineup, right? Especially when the guy's averaging not for nothing twelve point five fantasy points. It looks like I have like no reason to really be upset about Jarvis Landry, but the last three. Games He had phenomenal matchups with those Chiefs, with the Falcons, with the Bengals. He only scored in those last games 11 and 4 and 6 points. That's it. In those games, was even more scary. This is the scariest part. Is that in both the games since the coaching change, since the get rid of Hugh Jackson, he's got it under 10 targets in all those games under 10 targets in the new coaching games and with the new coaching staff 
So you're telling me with all the opportunities you were getting, you couldn't put up a bunch of points. Now you're getting less targets. You're getting less opportunities. So I would assume you would give me less points. And also schedule for the rest of the season is not that great. I mean, it's not like super difficult, but still, he's got Houston, Denver, Carolina, the Bengals again, and the Ravens. So I don't know. I'm extremely nervous about the guy. What upsets me is that now I, I in the league that I own him in, I would have won regardless. Even if I didn't play Jarvis Landry, I would have said who only got me six points last week. I, I would have won. But I played DeAndre Hopkins, of course, Tyler Boyd, of course. Well, you know, that's of course. And then Jarvis Landry was like, ah, I mean, he's going against Cincinnati. I'm happy about putting him in. And then produce the one guy that I was really iffy about, who I love for the rest of the season, is Larry Fitzgerald. And he, not for nothing, and not, uh, a huge, you know, more, you know, amount of points more than uh, Jarvis Landry. No, but better, better about putting. He still got me 11 points, Larry Fitzgerald. Now I bench Larry Fitzgerald, but going forward. If Landry, if Landry's going to give me this kind of production, why should I bench him for a guy like Larry Fitzgerald who's getting these touchdowns, who's getting these productions, who in the last five games has had double-digit points? I'm scared about that. I'm nervous about that. I'm upset about that. And, and especially with the matchups coming up forward for Jarvis Landry, for the lack of targets that he's getting now in the new coaching staff, it scares me. It upsets me. And I don't know what to do because with a name like Jarvis Landry, you want to keep him in your lineup. But can you trust him in the playoffs? You know, this past week, I lost to my friend Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. And, and, you know, that put me in a situation now where I must win. But I would have won if I played Doug Martin over Adrian Peterson. Because I lost by six points. With Doug, you know, Doug Martin got me 16. Peterson got me six. So I would have had another 10 points there. So am I going to be put in a situation like that with Jarvis Landry? That, you know, if I would have played Larry Fitzgerald in there instead of instead of you, Landry, I would have won. It, it, it's tough. It's scary. And it, it's hard to think about. And I'm going to do a lot of research that I can. I'll keep you guys updated as best we can for the next show's coming up. Speaking of Adrian Peterson, another one for the worst who scares me. Doesn't excite me, but scares me for the playoffs. It's just because he's so inconsistent. Now, he's having a good year overall, but fantasy-wise, he's extremely inconsistent. I literally feel like every time I put this guy in my lineup – he fails. And then when I take him out and I put him on my bench, he kills. Now, of course, it hasn't happened every time. But the thing is, like, in one of my leagues, I kind of had to play him because my best running backs, I went on a no-RB approach in the draft. And now my best running backs are Chris Carson and Adrian Peterson. Chris Carson has been doing well. But the thing is this. Adrian Peterson has had five games for double digits. And six of them under double digits. So it's 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 not like it's 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 a... You know, it has like one good game here and there. It's like a toss-up. It's just really hard to predict. He's even had two very, very good matches against the Bucks and the Falcons, who can be run on easily. And he had under 10 points for both those matchups. He's facing the Giants in Week 14. Right? I love him in that matchup. And I like him in Philly also. But then he goes against Jacksonville and the Titans. So, so I don't... I don't really love those matchups. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 just he's got to be nervous about it because of his inconsistency. Besides, really, the Giants, I, I really don't love him in any of the matchups for the rest of the season. But it's hard for you not to put him at the same time because he has that ability and he has that potential and he has those games where he can break out for a couple, you know, like two touchdowns. It is what it is.
Let's move on about something for the better. And something, you know what, I've got to speak honestly about. I get it, I'm a big Giants fan. It's a whole part of this show that I go against Charlie, him being a Cowboys fan and all. But I got to speak honest. I got to speak truthful. I got to be real. Dak Prescott, for the better. I'm excited. Dak's back. Bad for flex, but good for Cowboy fans and fantasy football owners who want to get now have Dak Prescott. I mean, if you were riding, if you were riding out with somebody like Andy Dalton, like you know, if you drafted Jimmy Garoppolo and then you were riding out with somebody like Andy Dalton for your quarterback for the whole year, and now he's on the IR, Dak Prescott's a great one to have for the rest of the year. Now, listen. All this has to do to the fact also that I'm very, you know, I'm not, I'm not all, but a lot of this has to do with the fact that I'm very excited also about Mark Cooper going forward. Mark Cooper's getting eight targets, he's playing with the Cowboys, and he's averaging 18.7 points per game. While Amari Cooper was with the Raiders, he was, which, well, the three games he played in full. I'm not going to talk about the other two games that he was out. But the three games that he played in full, he's averaged 10.8 points per game. So I'm not adding in the average of the, the other two points, which other like uh, fancy football platforms do. They'll add in the average of the zeros. But in the three games where he just played in full for the Raiders, he averaged only 10.8 points per game. So it's a big difference because now with the Cowboys averaging 18.7 points per game. So a big difference there. But back to Dak, he's been on a tear since Amari Cooper has been on the team as well. He's averaging 23 points per game, Dak, after the break. Which right now, if you were to put that right now with other players that are averaging, you know, around that same average, he's got more than Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and Tom Brady, who are all about like fourth to fifth round picks in the draft this year. And Dak Prescott's got more than them. Now, before Amari uh, Cooper, he had just 18.8 uh, points per game. And the rest of the schedule for the Cowboys, wow. He's got some really good matchups, especially for Dak as a quarterback. It's going against the Saints, the Eagles, the Colts, the Bucks, and the Giants. Now, for the QBs, at least, I think the hardest matchup he's going to face is the Colts. The Colts has proved a lot on defense. But still, you know, giving up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper seems to really have paid off for the Cowboys, and Cooper owners are very happy about that, as I'm a Cooper owner as well, and I'm very excited about that. But I'm also recommending that if you need a QB, you could be a Dak Prescott owner. Go and become a Dak Prescott owner. You're going to be happy because I think his stellar play that he's having lately is going to just keep continuing. I think it's going to keep growing. The defense is playing well. It's got a very strong defense, the Cowboys. I'm not saying in real life football they're going to do far. But they're doing a lot better for fantasy-wise. And I'm very excited for what Dak Prescott has to bring to the table for the rest of the year. So now for another guy that's got me also excited for the rest of the year who I'm hyped about is Jordan Reed for the better. And that's simply, just to put it real simple, Colt McCoy. That's really it. He's had more than six targets in the past two games with Colt McCoy. With Alex Smith, he's only had six or more targets twice for the entire season before. His highest scoring outing of the season was with Alex Smith with 14 points, and that was the first game of the year. With Colt McCoy, he's now had 20 points and 13 points. So in just these two games with that backup QB, it shows that the backup QB wants to use the most talented receiver on their team and is going to bode well for the players who stuck with the whole, with uh, Jordan Reed as their tight end for the whole season, as I did in one league. It's going to work out for you. I think it's going to work out for the rest of the season. Jordan Reed, we all know, is a great talent. He's healthy. Hopefully he stays that way. Looks like he will. Doesn't just telling us that he's not so far. And Colt McCoy is going to keep feeding the ball. 
another person I'm also excited for the better that I'm also thinking is going to do really well moving forward is LaShawn McCoy. If you are a LaShawn McCoy owner and you've been stashing him or if you've been using him every week because you have no other better option, get ready to benefit. I think LaShawn McCoy is going to be a great play moving forward. And this mainly has to do a lot with the scheduling. It's smooth sailing for Michelle McCoy and the Michelle McCoy owners. Another McCoy just talking about, just thinking about that. Wow, talk about Colt McCoy, not Michelle McCoy. Didn't realize that. I could have tried this and that a lot better. But once again, party people, you know I'm not that smart. Uh, he's going against the Dolphins, the Jets, the Lions, the Pats, and the Dolphins again. I mean, the Pats are the best defense when it comes to stopping the run. But it's not like they're an elite defense because the last time LeSean McCoy this year played the Pats, he slung it up with 15.5 fantasy points against them. Everybody knows you're running the Dolphins. Everybody knows you're running the Jets. Everybody knows you're running the Lions. This this is a great, great game from LeSean McCoy. LeSean McCoy owners that have made it to the playoffs and have stuck him out or had him on his bench. I mean, had him on your benches or had him in your lineup. Get ready. For LaShawn McCoy, to, LaShawn McCoy to go on a tear. And hey, Matt, who's in the studio with us, by the way, did you know that I picked the Bills to win last week? <laughs> Gives me a thumbs up. I did, and they won. That was great that they actually won. They beat the Jaguars. I think a lot of people didn't think that was going to happen. I should have really bet real money on that. That would have been good. Could pay off these uh, more, more for these great sweaters that I'm getting <laughs> right with that money. But speaking of that, moving into the transition of that, speaking about the Jaguars, I'm worried about them for the worst. Now, really, it all really does depend a lot on the league you're in about how well the Jaguars are doing for you or how bad they're doing for you. Of course, like I said, it really just all depends on the type of league that you're in. But we all know this, that the Jaguars have not done at all what you draft them for. You draft them like a ninth round pick, more or less. Like I'll explain to you on averages on points on uh points per game. So in one league where they're really harsh against defenses. So I mean like, you know, if if a touchdown gets scored against the defense, they take away a lot of points right off the bat. Like I'm in the league with my boy Marchetti. They're averaging only four point two points per game. That's it. That's tough. That's hard to look at. Another league was pretty much just standard, which I'm going to go with that one for the most rest of the rest of it. They average an 8.6. And I'm going to go by this standard kind of setting for the rest of the conversation about the Jaguars. But they haven't been good. They've been bad. They gave up 24 points to the Bills. Now, at the same time, let's be real. They played against some pretty good offenses lately. Pittsburgh giving up 20 points, but also did have three interceptions. The Colts, who Andrew Luck's been on fire, throwing three touchdowns every game like it's nothing. They gave 29 points to the Colts, 24 points to the Phillies, 20 points to Houston, 40 points to Dallas, 24 points to Kansas City. So they faced some pretty strong offenses. And regardless of the fact, and I, I wouldn't be nervous, and I and I saw that my boy Paris in the league dropped him, and I was very excited about that because, you know, just by names, Jags war defense, so you think they're going to be tough. But the point is because the schedule moving forward. Now they face the Colts next week. Don't play them next week. 
I do not like the Jaguars play next week at all. Okay, like I said, they they last time they played they faced against Andrew Lucky. They they only got one. Oh, excuse me, they only got one interception for twenty. You know, and allowed twenty nine points. So don't play them against the Colts. Not with the way Andrew Luck's been playing. But then they're playing Tennessee Titans. Okay, not that strong of an offense. Then they're watching the Redskins. Not that strong of an offense. Then they're playing against the Miami Dolphins. Definitely not that strong of an offense. That is your playoff run for the Jaguars. 14, 15, weeks 14, 15, and 16. The Titans, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Then if if your playoffs end up going to week 17, unfortunately it goes against the Houston Texans, which is a very strong offense. But I'm still nervous because of the fact that they gave up 24 points to the Bills with no interceptions, no fumbles. It's it's real difficult to trust them when they've been doing so bad. Like I said, if you look at the whole season, which I just mentioned, you could basically just chalk it up to playing very strong offenses. But if you're that much of an elite defense, like the Seahawks were a couple years ago, or the Steelers were a couple years ago, or what the Bears are now, that shouldn't have to matter. You know, I mean, like, look, the Bears went up against a team like Minnesota. Still got your two interceptions with one fumble and a touchdown. Strong offense like like New England. Still got an interception and two fumble recoveries. Strong offense like Green Bay. Still got an interception and a fumble recovery. Now, the the Bears have had an easier schedule as far as the offenses they faced than the Jaguars. But still. It's it's just hard to trust them. I like their options, and I'm going to be playing them. But I played them against the Bills, and I love them against the Bills, and they got me negative points. So it's really hard to trust them moving forward. You know, it's it's I, I just don't understand how you can. But with those options, I'm not mad if you do. Moving on now to waiver wire worthy. Get through this real quick because I'm going to wrap up the show right now. But, uh, of course, Josh Reynolds is a big waiver wire ad. He's there. He's a big waiver wire ad, and there's no, and you know, it's for obvious reasons. Another big waiver wire ad, not for nothing, man. Adam Humphreys. Because, you know, it's hard to predict the Tampa Bay, you know, they, they go back and forth with, you know, for all you know, J- James Winston could, you know, lay another goose egg next week, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick could be back on the center. Who knows? It's hard to predict that, but all I know is that, you know, the offense does fly when the new quarterback comes into play right away. So, Adam Humphreys. Another one I like a lot, too, Muhammad Sanu. Muhammad Sanu is definitely somebody else that you want to keep looking at. They're feeding him the ball a lot. That offense is always moving. So, Muhammad Sanu is somebody else that you want to keep looking at. And also another guy, too, that I want to mention, David Moore. Great game last week. Four receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown. But he's getting a lot of targets. In that game against Green Bay, I know he got a good number of targets. And still with four receptions. So he's somebody that I would say to definitely to look at on the waiver wire. He's somebody that means definitely waiver wire worthy. Uh, Neon Himes is another person that's waiver wire worthy with the injury to Marlon Mack. Theoretic, as we know, with the injuries to uh, on Johnson. I'm not kind of running through these really quickly, but we do have to kind of, I do have to kind of get out of here. Uh, Rex Burkhead is also another one that you would want to put on, the, you know, add on to it. As um, he's now activated. You know, I know, I know uh, that he got a little hurt, Sony Michelle, last time, 
not not too much. You know, I think it's going to keep him out, but still, he's activated. He's worth a stash at least to see how it goes for the rest of the playoffs. So he's somebody else that's definitely worth a stash. And somebody else that I also love on the waiver wires too is Josh Doxson. Because of the way that Colt McCoy is using the best receivers on the team, which is Jordan Reed, and the second best is Josh Doxson. It's not so much he didn't put out a great outing last time against Dallas. Dallas is a pretty good defense, but he had six receptions for 66 yards. Scary number to say. But still, 12.6 fantasy points he gave you. And I think the target's going to keep going his way. So who else we got here on the waiver wire that you guys can look at? Oh, Carlos Hyde is a good play this week, not for nothing. If he happens to be there, he's a good pick up and play with Leonard Fournette missing this game because of the fact that he's going to spend it after that fight. So there's a couple of good options out there in the waiver wires for you guys. That's being said, Matt, I think we're ready to wrap it up right now. All right, party people. So I want to thank you guys once again for sticking out with me with another whole entire Flex show. Uh, Charlie will be back this Friday, and we will be back to discuss and set you up for the rest of the week as we are coming up to a close, close enough to our fantasy football division. But we're going to keep talking about basketball, keep talking about baseball, talking about all sports in general as we continue to grow. Shout out to Gotham Podcast Studio over here. Shout out to Progress for making the music. Shout out to you, party people, for being the big supporters of the Better Fantasy Bureau. I really do appreciate all your love, all your support. Hit us up on our Instagram at BFB Podcast, on our Twitter at Podcast BFB. Hit us up anytime you want, party people. Success, nonetheless. Peace.